This is your Thursday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand, Josh Donaldson. I promise you I'm not using any sticky substances to make this podcast. Wow, a lot going on right now we got to talk about. I'll have Jerry Zagoda on the show in just a little bit to talk about Minnesota United and the hot streak they are on after an 0-4 start to the year. Probably should talk about the Lynx as well. They won again on Wednesday, continuing their hot streak um, I caught up with uh, caught up with Jose Miranda, Twins prospect, now in St. Paul. Had three home runs in his debut with the Saints on uh, on Tuesday night. Had one hit again Wednesday. Really interesting backstory for him. So I'll play you a little bit of audio from the interview I had with him and catch you up on his story as well. But first, what did I miss? Got to go back to Josh Donaldson, you guys. It, it keeps the story that keeps it keeps going and going and going. Obviously, we talked uh, on Wednesday's show about the confrontation between him and Lucas Giolito. You know, him say talking about sticky substances when he crossed home plate um, after hitting a home run Tuesday. Twins lose that game. Donaldson didn't talk after the game. Giolito sure did, though. Uh, had some choice words for Donaldson, called him a pest, all sorts of other things, and uh, made it clear that he is not a fan. Said basically, if you've got something to say, say it to my face. Well, it sounds like actually that happened. We didn't hear from Donaldson on uh, on Tuesday, but we did Wednesday, and he said he and uh, he and Giolito did have a little bit of a confrontation or a little bit of a. Uh, a meeting of the minds, so to speak, after the game. And uh, Josh Donaldson said, uh, basically, Lucas Giolito didn't have a lot to say at that point. He didn't have really much to say. You know, he, he said that he thought it was annoying. I said, so what? I'm on the opposing team. What do you care about me? And I said, I'm in your face. I'm telling you what I, what I think. What do you got to say about that? And he didn't have any response. Now, of course, at issue in all this is Josh Donaldson's assertion that a lot of pitchers have been using illegal substances to make their pitches a lot better, and Major League Baseball basically agrees they've been doing a crackdown on this lately. Um, but you know, Josh Donaldson, not to, you know, not not one to to come to an argument without the facts, brought all of this to uh, to the Wednesday news conference. He did. I had been checking this too and noticed that Giolito's spin rate had been down in recent starts. Josh Donaldson noticed the same thing. Here's Josh on that. All right, let's go look at his numbers. What do the numbers say, right? And what do we know about the sticky substance? What does it do? What does it help with? It helps with RPMs. It helps with spin rate. Well, guess what? Mr. Giolito, your fastball spin rate's down 200. Your curveball spin rate's down four, five hundred. Your slider's down two hundred. So, look, if we're going to talk about class, are we going to? Are we, what side are you going to choose? Are you are you going to speak, uh, take the side of someone who's playing the game fair, or are you going to take the side of somebody that was probably cheating before this happened? Now, what's interesting about all this is that it flies in the face of what we think of as the typical Minnesota Twins player. There's not been a lot of brash, confrontational Twins players over the years who have kind of been in your face like this. And Josh Donaldson certainly had that reputation when the Twins signed him before the 2020 season, and he certainly has that reputation still now. Now, this is kind of being framed, certainly, in some circles, just even seeing tweets from different people as, is you know, do you like this? Is Josh Donaldson good or bad for the Twins, good or bad for the game? 
And I think that's a little bit of a disingenuous argument. I don't really know if that's a productive way to look at it because it kind of depends on what you like in a player and whether you see what he's doing as genuine or not. I'd say a more interesting question is what's Josh Donaldson's endgame here? Is this just who he is and he, he's going to talk about this when he's ready to talk about it? Because I don't think talking about pitchers cheating is a bad thing at all. I think him being you know upfront and you know honest about that is, is, is a great thing for the game because this has to stop. But is what what's his end game here? Is he is he frustrated? Is he trying to fire up his team? Is he is this just kind of who he is? I, I'm trying to I'm trying to game out what what he wants to happen from all this, or if you know if basically what he wants out of all this is for pitchers to just you know fess up and stop cheating. So that's that's my question here is is what's his goal? Because I think you know in a certain context it's a little bit selfish to put your teammates into this whole conversation where they, you know, they then are, you know, maybe the targets of other teams, things of that nature. So I don't know exactly how to, how to frame the way he's going about this. I don't mind it, especially the stuff where he's talking about pitchers cheating. Uh, he had a whole bunch of other things to say Wednesday. He went off on Ozzie Guillen. I mean, it, it just feels at a certain point, like there's a frustration with being 13 and a half games out of first place. You know, he's done his part the last two nights. He's had home runs in the first inning, but the Twins lost 7-6 on Tuesday, 13-3 to on Wednesday. This is not what he signed up for. It's not been his fault necessarily this season that they haven't succeeded, but I'm guessing frustration with how things are going is playing a role in some of this as well. I'm Chris Hine, Timberwolves beat writer at the Star Tribune and the first five-time guest in daily delivery history. Thank you for listening to this podcast. This work is made possible by our Star Tribune subscribers. For unlimited access to the articles mentioned in this podcast, our coverage of Minnesota sports from pros to preps, and even all of Rand's future blog posts about how the Timberwolves should trade for players they will never get, go to startribune.com slash subscribe. Happy to have back on Daily Delivery, Jerry Zagoda covers Minnesota United soccer. Jerry, I think the last time you and I talked, um, it might have been preseason. I've talked to Adrian Heath on this show since then. And when I talked to Adrian, things were not going all that well. Um, they lost their last, they lost their first four matches of the season. And you and I had talked about their high expectations coming into the year. And, you know, and that it might take a little while for them to, to round into shape, given that they still had roster additions to make um six match unbeaten streak since that four game losing streak to start the season and maybe the season's playing out a little bit like we we thought even if uh, having patience was a uh, was a hard thing to do at the start of the year huh yeah i mean uh i remember having a couple friends of mine who are big loons fans come up to me for are they gonna fire heath are they gonna fire heath you know everyone was waiting maybe hoping but uh I said, you know, you can't judge this team until they got sort of this full roster in their mind here. You know, they added the three new guys from uh, Argentina, two of them, and, and from France. And, and um, you know, they've, still they haven't really had their complete team together yet because they haven't, during the stretch the last couple of weeks, had the, the three guys, Greg Goose and Bud and um, Yuka, uh, who are away at the European Championship. So, I always said, you know, you can't judge this team until it gets fully together and it still isn't fully yet. So we'll see even what more steps they, they, they can make from here on. But uh, you kind of got to had to be patient. You, you knew they weren't that bad. Oh, and four bad. Just uh, I don't know what all the factors were that contributed to them. But we're going to talk about what uh, what has contributed to the six game unbeaten streak is, you know, they've defended. 
giving up two goals in that stretch. And I don't know if you can say it's all because of Tyler Miller, but it coincided, you know, they just weren't going in the right way. So they decided, you know, we got to make a change here. I don't think it was Dane St. Clair's fault in the least, but uh, they made the change and all of a sudden they're loading up victories or at least draws and clean sheets. And, uh, you know, it, it made, it, it, it made a difference. Yeah. Six matches is a, is a long way to go. They haven't, uh, you know, they haven't lost since late, uh, since early early May, and by the time they play again this weekend, it'll be July. So that tells you the run they've been on. They had some you know some off weekends in there as well to kind of stretch out that uh, that streak. But you know it's it's going on a couple of months now. Um, stylistically, have they been able to you know? I think Adrian Heath had talked about when he was on the show, you know, just wanting to play a certain way. Does it seem like they're able to play? You know, they're obviously getting results. Are they able to play the way they want to play more now, you know, both on both, the, you know, both going forward and being able to uh, to defend as they have been? I think they're starting to. I mean, they're starting to become a threat. You know, they'd always create scoring chances. They couldn't put the ball on a goal or or finish them off, you know. Um, but now you, you bring in Fragapani from Argentina and uh, Unu from Unu from uh, from France, first division and. You can see the last couple of games, those guys can create and finish. So I think we're just starting to see what they can be. So, um, and I think the other thing is, um, uh, I have to go back and see just how many games it was into the six game stretch, but you know, they've gotten Debassi back on the back line. I think that makes a big difference too. I think he's a key guy. You put him next to Boxall, who's another guy. Once they get the three guys back from uh, the Euros, then Boxall's going to leave for the, for the Olympics. So, you know, they're still not going to be complete till what August sometime, but, you put him and Debassi together, and they're really formidable. They, that's one reason, you know, um, not the only reason, of course, but one reason why their defense has improved, and they're defending all over the field as well, too. You know, they're defending from up top, far away. It's not all just the back four and the goal, goalkeeper. You know, we talked at the start of the year. It was very much Emmanuel Reynoso focused on, you know, just how good he had looked at, you know, after coming in at the end of last year, how instrumental he was in getting them very close to the MLS Cup final. Where, where how much has he been helped by, you know, the, the you know, the, the early season additions and, and how is he having to adjust a little bit in year two of Major League Soccer? Well, I think he's getting used to it. Actually, I'm writing a story just about how I think one is he's got having to get to used, used to it. He had a face that I'm sure in Argentina, but just teams are getting more physical with them. You know, even, even he says, now you can see a strategy to it. The other team, they're sending this guy at him, then they're sending that guy at him, then they're sending the third guy at him. And it's never the same guy because they don't want to risk the fouls, but there's a strategy to how they're trying to do that. And uh, I think that led to him getting a little nicked up. He had a problem with his knee when they had the five-week stretch where you know, they only played the one game. He was not working with the team. He was pretty much working off on his own getting his body right. I think they were working on nutrition, different things just to get him used to the physical nature. Um, I, I, I think, uh, you know, it's got to be physical where he played in the first division in, in Argentina, but uh, teams are definitely trying to, um, you know, muscle him. I mean, if you can't, you can't beat him, beat him up uh, was the quote from Jacari Hayes yesterday. So uh, we'll, we'll see, um, you know, I think now once you get the, the, the presence of Unu and uh, Fragapani, I think that will create more space that they can't just mark him all the time or you're going to leave space open. So we'll see how that works out all long term. But certainly, you know, that's going to be fun to watch the connection play between those three guys. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, it's paying dividends already. But like you said, a lot of a lot of what they've been able to do is, you know, tighten the ranks so far, you know, 
two goals in those six games doesn't uh, doesn't leave a lot to, for the opposition to get. Um, like one of those clean sheets was a couple of weeks ago now when when they had their first full crowd back at Allianz. Um, you know, soccer, any sport obviously benefits from supporters from fans um it feels like the soccer experience though there's a there's a different kind of connection have you sensed from talking to players you know especially since they were able to have that full attendance what what that does you know for home field for just morale things of that nature well yeah i mean part of the problem was they started when they lose one or two here to begin with early in the season and you know there just really wasn't that um and they weren't quite as the same team last year when they were playing with no, no fans. So it does add some energy and, you know, lifts you up when you needed it, when you need it. And that um, yeah, was fun. It just feel, felt like old times uh, the other night when it was loud and, uh, you know, the banners and the, the smoke after the goals and all that stuff. It just it, it uh, felt kind of uh, felt kind of normal. Yeah, that's a it's a nice uh, it's a nice feeling to have. And, you, you know, just big pictures. We talked about this team being on the six match unbeaten streak, you know, and, and like you said, you know, still missing some players over at euros. And then there's going to be the Olympics. It's a strange year just, you know, with, with all those things happening at once, they might not get, you know, to, to the full squad they want to see until, you know, the second half of the season for sure. And, you know, later in the year in August, that said, once they're able to do that, I, I imagine Adrian Heath has to feel pretty good, um, about all the options he's going to have. Do you feel, is this a team that's kind of rounding into, you know, not just a, a, a middle of the road playoff team, but, but one that, you know, it, if everything comes into, into focus the way they want it to, could be a legitimate contender like they want to be? Well, I mean, if you say, uh, were they last year, you know, that's away from MLS Cup. So, uh, and, and improved this year, you know, much more of an offensive threat this year. Obviously, some some changes, but um, you know, give them give them time, and, and we'll see. You're, you're still in a conference where you got Seattle, who's at risk of uh, kind of uh, could you know possibly run away with with everything. But you know, then you've also got this. You know, the, the right now they're waiting for Lud to come back. He made a little uh, um, detour from the Euros to Helsinki to get uh, an appointment for his green card. Uh, Roman Metanier, they're starting right back. He's in France doing the same. So the, the thought there is getting them both their green cards to take away the two international slots there. And that gives you more flexibility now coming up to the next uh, transfer window, which I think it starts in a, what, early July. So that at least gives them options. I actually think Adrian would kind of just work with what he's got now and see what he has for a while. But they, they will have options. They'll have roster spots open. I can guess and they might still have money open um, if, if they're planning that way. So this team could still be uh, conceivably improved and different by the time you get to the, the playoffs in October. Absolutely. Um, one thing we need to talk about is, you know, off the field or, you know, related to the game, you know, even though they have this six match winning streak, there was an incident in Portland reportedly um, MLS is investigating it. Um, a, a slur used uh, reportedly by Franco Fragapani. And, you know, where are we at with, with that? I know players, Loon's players were able to talk about that uh, earlier this week and kind of address, you know, their support for him, but also kind of wanting to see what, what the outcome of this investigation is. Give, kind of give me the, the backstory on that and where we are, uh, at least as of now. 
Well, they were they were they were pretty measured in their their comments, saying they believe uh, the player who, as as he said, vehemently quote unquote uh, uh, denies it, but also saying let's wait for the investigation. So that's basically where we're 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 at. The league first thing Sunday morning, you know, said they had started an investigation. So we'll see, you know, how long that takes. There's no timetable for it. You'd think it would come before Saturday's game, but maybe not. You know, I don't know exactly how many people they have the interview and how many people they have to go back to or just what that process is. But, you know, the the uh, players and, and Heath's just kind of seem to say, well, let's wait and see. You know, it's like from their end, they said nobody heard it. None of the players heard it. The referee didn't hear it. Um, you know, that's why the Portland coach Savarisi was upset that nothing was done. But as Will Trapp said yesterday, you know, he was one of the guys huddling with the with the uh, referee along with the Portland, two Portland guys. And he said, you know, they're trying to figure out, could you corroborate it? And they couldn't. So, um, you know, I don't know what they're going to do going forward or what kind of, uh, if the protocols they have now work or if, or, if, or if they don't, but, you know, in a situation like that, what do you do when somebody claims it? And then sort of surprisingly, I, I was surprised that Salvarese was so public with it when he came out, you know, to start his press conference. He was obviously fired up about it and emotional, but spent almost two minutes talking about it. You know, usually in those things, if they mentioned it at all, you know, it just kind of goes to the league and then they, they, they investigate it. But this became, um, uh, you know, very public, very quickly. So in that way, it was a little bit different. So we'll see how long it takes. I mean, we could, we could find out, uh, you know, in an, in an hour that it's done and, you know, it's still may, maybe not done by uh, Saturday. I don't know. Yeah. And since, uh, you know, I, I can't remember a, a local team going through something like this. I don't can't remember the loons certainly being in the midst of this. Or am I am I mistaken? Or is this kind of new territory for them? Yeah, I don't remember. I mean, that's one of the things Heath made a point of. He goes, you know, we've we've and when it comes to the uh, diversity and inclusive inclusivity, you know, uh, he called the organization first class. Something you know they've been very active and. Black Lives Matter and and the Black Players for Change and uh, they've been very socially conscious. So, you know, that was an interesting thing because I asked Jacory. I said, "Well, what if what if it comes out that they have the investigation and uh, they find that it did happen?" He goes, "Well, you know, I'm paraphrasing him, but he goes, you know, we're going to have to deal with that internally. You know, that's going to be gave the impression, you know, that's going to be kind of a little bit of a tricky thing to do because I'm sure there'll be players upset about it, and we'll we'll see how they would handle it internally, but." I guess right now all you can do is sit and wait. Absolutely. Um, last thing for you, Jerry, that you know, they got back to level four, four wins, four losses, two draws. They've got a match Saturday. How, how important do you think it is for them to get kind of above that level mark, you know, just kind of establish that, Hey, we, we didn't just get back to that, that, you know, that, that even mark, but we're, we're kind of all the way back and beyond that in Saturday's match. Well, they got themselves out of the basement. You know, at one point they were last and they were the only team without a point. And then they were 12th and then they were 11th. And then they moved up like, uh, I don't know what the fifth in the last uh, victory. So, so now the idea is to get, you know, pile a couple more, stretch that streak out a little bit more and start, you know, get yourself closer to that top group, get, you know, get up towards the, uh, the Seattle's and, and get yourself back in there and um, you know, just continue to play until you get your until you get the the three guys back from Europe and get them in the lineup. Uh, Gregoosh and uh, uh, Ratala they 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 were back at training yesterday, so they're back. And you know, then you get uh, Ludd and Metnir back from the green cards, and then eventually, then you lose Boxy, but you get him back. You know, get him to 
July and August and just see how far you can get above sort of that 500 mark and get back into the race to, you know, even possibly if you can get really get rolling to, to fight for that buy that goes to the top team in the playoffs. So, you know, there's still a lot to go and people are starting to almost panic. There were still 30 some games, you know, 30 games to go in a 34 game season after an 0 and 4 start. So there's still plenty of time. And, uh, you know, it would just be interesting to see once everybody gets here, gets to know each other, those three guys get to play together more, you know, just what kind of uh, role and stretch they can get on. I'm sure ever, all the fans that were critical of Adrian Heath are now glad of what a great job he's doing in these last six matches, right? No, they probably still want to fire him, but. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's a, comes with the territory. He's talked about that on this podcast too. It's a, it's a, a love-hate relationship with every soccer manager ever in history, and certainly with Adrian Heath. Well, Jerry's a go to. I'm, I'm I'm just not sure who he uh, really cares about more: the loons or the England national team. I more. know, right? The England, uh, yeah, bringing it home, right? It's coming back home. Is that the thing? Yeah, they've uh, they would beat Germany two nothing, and and uh, he came over to talk to us when it was still nil nil, and he said, "That's what he said. He went nil nil. We're murdering them." So. Um, yeah, he's, he's a little biased. Yeah, he is. He is indeed. Well, Jerry's a go to good stuff. Read Jerry's coverage, Star Tribune, startribune.com. And we'll do this. Uh, we'll do this again soon. All right. Yeah. They might play enough where you'll have, you'll have to get me on regularly. I think so. They're going to have this stretch where they're going to play a lot more, aren't they? Yeah. We're, we're starting to get a stretch. We'll have the, you know, like last, uh, a week ago, have the Wednesday games intermixed with the, uh, Saturday or Sunday games. So, um, there'll be a lot of soccer still to come. Sounds good. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks, Jerry. Thanks. Just a note to add on to that excellent conversation with Jerry Zagoda. There's nothing decided so far in the uh, Franco Fragapani uh, case uh, as, as the league has investigated, at least as of Thursday morning. United plays again Saturday against San Jose at, uh, at Allianz Field. We'll see if anything is decided by that point. Now, I had a chance to catch up with Twins prospect Jose Miranda. Love this because... You know, the Twins prospects, when they reach AAA, are only, you know, 15 minutes away from where I live now that they're in St. Paul. So he hit three home runs in his Saints debut on Tuesday um, and then, you know, became kind of the talk of the town for a little bit. Saints had media availability with him on Wednesday, got to know him a little bit better, wrote a story for Star Tribune, startribune.com. And, you know, just a really interesting backstory for Jose Miranda, drafted in the second round by the Twins, 2016, out of Puerto Rico. He was a shortstop, you know, he was 18, you know, just, just turning just turning 18, basically, at that time. And uh, progressed through the ranks, um, you know, he was with, Toby Gardenhire at a lot of different stops. Toby Gardenhire now the manager of the Saints, of course. And on his 23rd birthday, Miranda hits three home runs Tuesday. Kind of knocking on the door, it feels like, you know, even though he's just 23. When you have a debut like that, he had another hit on Wednesday in his second game. Uh, when you're able to do that at, at such a young age, and especially, you know, one thing I found really impressive is you know basically before this season he'd only had five regular season at bats above class a uh you know and then he you know and that was 2019 and of course 2020 wiped out for minor leaguers because of covid and still he's able to come in and do that this season so i had a chance to talk to him a little bit i asked him about how he's been able to kind of pick up where he left off and have such a great year this year you know between double a wichita and now the saints he has an ops over a thousand i think he's got 16 home runs in just a little over 200 at bats uh so here here was jose miranda's uh, kind of explanation for 
how he was able to kind of miss a year and then have a season like this so far. It was a weird year last year, but just playing baseball this year, finally after last year, I worked pretty hard in the offseason. I worked on some things that I needed to work with, um, and I think I got I got ready for this year, uh, mental and, and like body-wise too, and I think it's paying off right now. You know, like I said, Toby Gardenhire has been with him for several different stops. I think, you know, at least two, maybe three stops along the way as they've both worked their way up the chain. Toby working, you know, managing different levels of the Twins uh, minor league system throughout the years, you know, last few years. Um, he said he could tell Miranda was a really good hitter even when, they, you know, even when he was 18 years old, but that now he's more polished and that his pitch selection more than anything is what has impressed him, particularly in Tuesday night's game. So he's he's really come a long way in pitch selection, um, and you know just making sure he goes up there and gets a good pitch to hit. And watching his takes last night, that was more impressive to me than anything else. Just watching the pitches that he took and how he took them, and then when he gets pitches in the middle of the zone, he wasn't missing them last night. You know, and that's the that's what you look for in good hitters: is do they take the tough pitches and swing at the good ones, and then when they hit them, how hard do they hit them? And that's what Jose did last night. Hit them hard. Now, like I said, uh, Miranda came up as a shortstop, but now he's more of a second baseman slash third baseman. You know, Toby Gardner said he's got good hands. He's a good infielder. He can play kind of all around depending on where you need him. Now, interestingly enough, you know, the Twins, like I'm <laughs> at the outset, we talked about the Twins' third baseman, Josh Donaldson. He's signed to a long-term contract, so I don't know if that spot is open barring a trade. Second base, a little less settled, I would say, because Luis Arias has been turned into more of a super utility infielder. They're trying Polanco at second base this year, but Andrelton Simmons is only on a one-year contract over at shortstop. So you could see some movement there, uh, especially at the trade deadline if Simmons is moved, and then maybe a spot opens up for Miranda towards the end of the season. Getting a little ahead of ourselves there, but I thought it was interesting. I also talked to Brent Rooker. Uh, who's been up with the Twins a couple different times about, you know, how you progress through these levels. What's different? How, I mean, what's different once you get to Double A, Triple A, the major leagues with the pitching you are going to face? Yeah, I think once you get to Double A, um, for the most part, the quality of stuff is the same. Obviously, you have the outliers. I mean, you have the 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 Groms and the big leagues or the Scherzers or whatever who just have outlier stuff and who are just kind of a different kind of guy. But I think it's once you get to the upper levels. What separates the really good guys from just the average guys is the ability to pitch to a scouting report, um, knowing what your weaknesses are as a hitter, and then being able to execute pitches to exploit those weaknesses. It's not necessarily the quality of pitches or the velocity. It's just the ability for them to know what they're trying to do and be able to do that um, when they want to. I saved the best fact for last. Jose Miranda is Lin-Manuel Miranda's cousin. Uh, his dad and Lin-Manuel Miranda's dad uh, are first cousins, it sounds like, which makes them, I think, first cousins once removed. I always mess that up, but that's what I believe that means. They've met several times. They talked a couple months ago. Lin-Manuel Miranda, of course, the actor, playwright, um, many other things, uh, star of Hamilton and other productions in the Heights out now in theaters. So that's a pretty cool connection for him. Um, they've, they've talked within the last couple of months, like I said, kind of talking about their craft. And I think it'd be pretty cool, you know, if he makes it to the big leagues to see, uh, to see Lin-Manuel Miranda at Target Field. The most interesting thing to me, though, is that, uh, <laughs> that Jose Miranda has not seen Hamilton. I can't believe he hasn't seen it yet, given that Lin-Manuel Miranda is his cousin. But he said he really wants to see it now. He was going to go once because Lin-Manuel invited him to go see it, but he couldn't go. Um, so maybe that will be... Uh, maybe that will be his uh, his next venture, and uh, one way or another, he won't throw away his shot. 
Let's end with the cooler. The Lynx got that all-important win to get over 500. They are now 8-7 and seven after a 82-76 win in Phoenix. Both teams came into that game 7-7. Seven and seven. The Lynx uh, you know, started the season 0-4, but now 8-7. and seven. So that's 8-3 and three since that start. Three wins in a row. Definitely getting this season turned around um, to the to the point that they wanted it to. It took some work. I mean, Kayla McBride had a huge game for them. She was, you know, one of their big off-season acquisitions. Sylvia Fowles had been carrying the team for a couple games before that. So they've, they've got a lot of different dangerous pieces that are all starting to come together for them in the way they hoped it would. That'll do it for me today. Lavelle E. Neal will join Friday's show. Should be a fun discussion with him. Probably some trade deadline discussion coming off of a Jeff Passan report that teams are basically waiting on the Twins to see if they're going to be sellers. Sure looks like they're going to be based on how this series in Chicago has started at least, but I'll get more of Lavelle's perspectives on that, on Josh Donaldson and everything else. Thanks for listening today. Please download, subscribe, write a review to this podcast wherever you get your finer podcasts or even your less finer ones. I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what you like in a podcast. Um, read Star Tribune, startribune.com as always, and we'll get you again on Friday. 